0: back to the Neil Haley show in the total celebrity segment and I am so excited to have this guest on the line when you think about uh, the amazing things that he has done uh, the same journey and career that I was on in a path to and I really have a lot to thank this man so I'm excited to welcome the program WWE Hall of Famer Mick Foley author of Saint Mick my journey from hardcore legend to Santa's jolly elf Mick, thanks for calling. How are you?
2: Well, I appreciate it. It's nice to talk to you again after such a long time.
0: Absolutely. And this is the quick story. I want to thank Mick Foley. He's the one that got me to where I am today as an entertainer and everything because he introduced me to Burt Prentice. He told me, hey, you know, you're working the indie circuit. You need to go and work six nights a week. He gave me the contact info to Burt Prentice, and I went on to that and did USWA and did a tour in Germany and really learned the entertainment business to where I am today in radio and entrepreneurship and everything. It's such a journey what pro wrestling brings. And Mick, your journey after we met, what an amazing one after you're running WCW to the WWE. Can you imagine that that was going to happen to you once you got to the WWF? Your fame and how unbelievable a career no, you no, had. No,
2: I, uh, yeah. I think I uh, right. exceeded <laughs> everyone's Expectations, in, including my own, and uh, yeah, I did. I, I did enjoy working for Burt. I mean, uh, you know, there's a great thirty for thirty um, um, uh, documentary about Ric Flair where they talk about uh, all of his, you know, one-hour matches. I never actually went an hour, but I did go fifty-eight minutes in a small town in Arkansas. I was. Uh, I personally took it as an insult that only twenty-five people showed up. <laughs> And uh, and I wanted every one of them to go home and tell their friends what they missed out on. And so I went 58 minutes with the Colorado kid in front of 25 people.
0: Oh, my gosh. I, at the Jonesboro Sport, um, Auditorium, I remember completely you telling that story. And then I, I, re, I had a run with the Colorado kid as well. Uh, yeah. And I watched that match. It was an unbelievable match, Mick. And uh, that's that's the kind of stuff that you like. You talk about with Ric Flair and where you start to where you come. And then with the WWF run, what an amazing run, Mick, for sure. What, very, yeah,
2: yeah, and then uh, hopefully one of the the uh, lessons I imparted to you is that it's not necessarily the size of the crowd that matters; it's the uh, impact you can have on the people there, and the pride you take in performing. And that's one of the things that was really hammered home to me with these last six years of portraying this iconic, you know, uh, uh, figure of Santa Claus, is that you have this chance to. You know, really make an impact on families' lives, especially uh, for kids. You know, who are you know going through a tough time. You know, you walk into a like a, yeah. a sterile, miserable hospital room, and you try to make it come alive and try to make it magical for the for the few minutes you're in there.
0: So, tell me the story of why you thought to go ahead and be Santa's jolly elf. What was the reasoning for uh, this journey?
2: around Christmas fanatic and it was pretty well known in the wrestling community I I was a guy who loved Christmas and celebrated it all year and then in 2012 I had a chance to be part of a documentary called I Am Santa Claus and I was kind of like the rookie who finally gets a chance and like I'd done it for our troops overseas but uh you know, just done it in the same way other people did, which is put on a suit and a huge, uh, you know, wig and beard. And uh, so this director wanted to know if I really wanted to, uh, you know, put myself into it and really see how I did, Uh, you know, being the guy and not just a guy, you know, you know, pretending to be the guy. And you know, there's a difference when you're performing, when you're really feeling a role as opposed to just playing around And uh, I found when I did it that uh, a lot of the same emotions that made me love performing in the ring came alive. And uh, there was very little chance of ending up in an emergency room because of these actions. And so it uh, it quickly became something I look forward to all year round.
0: Wow, and and that's just an amazing thing. And so you loved it, and you loved playing it, and said, "Let's continue this in this in this process." So tell me the book, why the book Saint Mick, and then to tell the story and to tell about yourself in this this journey.
2: Well, you know, as a, as a wrestler yourself, you probably read a bunch of uh, you know autobiographies, yes. and sometimes the guy looks back on a forty year career and you go, "That was pretty good," but. I never really got caught up in a moment, like no he never made this this guy didn't really make the moment come alive, and a lot of it's because the guys aren't writing their own books. you know when I did mine in ninety nine it was almost unheard of for you know uh, an athlete or a wrestler or any type of celebrity to be writing their own book and i'm proud to say that wrestlers have stepped up and started writing their own books in a way that you know other athletes have not, and probably never will. Like I think if it's my book showed one thing, it's like you can overcome, you know, technical deficiencies with, you know, with you know, heart and emotion. Uh, And so I had this like five year journey and I knew that it was, I knew there was a good story arc to it. And I knew that I could tell stories and catch, get people caught up in certain moments that I couldn't, if I was looking back at 20 years in the red suit and so i was like you know if i don't like this story now i don't think i will and i wanted to have it i really wanted to have it for my children you know yeah, like yeah, uh, right. i struggled with the idea of whether to just publish this for about a hundred you know people friends and family or to try to put it out there and uh, a couple of key people stephanie mcmahon being one of them convinced me that uh it might reach a wider audience, even if it's not the wrestling audience, like over the, over years, like I think people who may not you know, be wrestling fans or even be familiar with what I did, will hear about this kind of offbeat touching Christmas tale and, uh, and, and, and really enjoy it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Enjoy it for sure. And, uh, and and talk about it so tell us a little bit about so you're telling this what miracles i guess or not miracles but amazing experiences you have been as santa's uh as santa like <laughs> touching people's lives tell us some things one one of the yeah, favorite stories
2: well, you know like uh there's this little boy i met uh last year uh at the cancer center on long island and uh He was so weary and exhausted that I thought, "Ah, I just wish I could be doing a better job in there. And I thought to myself, I don't even think he's going to remember this meeting. But then I looked at his mom and she had tears just running down her face. The idea that somebody was trying their best to make her son a little happier meant a lot to her. So I asked her if they might like a Christmas Eve visit. I gave her my email, and, like, I had this great Christmas Eve, you know, it did four or five really wonderful visits, oh, and it was Christmas Day, and the, the time in the suit had been really fulfilling, but I hadn't heard from that family. And so I called the hospital, and I said the little boy had just been released late Christmas Eve, and uh, I asked, so I said, would you mind getting in touch with the family? And the family got back and said they would love a visit, but didn't want to bother me, you know, Uh, on Christmas, you know, Christmas Day. And I said, well, please tell them there's no place I would rather be. And I just, uh, I likened it in the book to the time I spent with Jim Ross doing a a really in-depth interview where I was the character of mankind, where I was like, you know, I was so into that character. Like, you couldn't tell me I was not that guy. Like, I was that guy. And that's the way I felt when I was in that, little boy's house he'd undergone this like amazing transformation he was filled with energy and it was one of the finest you know moments I've ever had you know as any character and uh I just I walked away from that visit and I was just so thankful that I'd had that opportunity and so uh I feel really blessed to uh you know, I've been given the chance to wear the red suit and, uh, you know, to make a difference in uh, in uh, in some lives.
0: All right, so everyone can pick up St. Mick, My Journey from Hardcore Legend to Santa's Jolly Elf. It's out now, but also for the, our Pittsburgh listeners, even though we're nationally syndicated, internationally syndicated, you're going to be at Mr. Small's Theater in Pittsburgh on June 28th uh, uh, to do a and a So that's going to be exciting, right? <laughs>
2: Was. No, no, it's not a Q&A. It's the 20 years of hell tour. This is, uh, I'm going to bring that infamous evening alive. And uh, the great thing about Pittsburgh is it will be 20 years to the day. So it'll be June 28th, uh, 2018. And I'm going to, uh, you know, create that uh, show around that one match and try to make it come alive. And, uh, you know, you try to say every show is a special show, but obviously this is the one I'm looking forward to the most and if people want to be part of it uh, they can go to my website realmickfoley.com and with a push of a button be part of the action
0: oh Mick you're amazing man and it was a great it was great being a colleague of yours in the pro wrestling business it's great to see your journey as an entertainer in so many ways and and you just blow me away with your characters and what you're doing and everyone needs to pick up the book and thanks again for calling Mick
2: hey thanks for having me on
0: take care man see ya thanks okay Bye. Okay. You're listening to the Neil Haley Show, and we'll be back. In-
2: We're back
3: to the Neil Haley Show and the Total Celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome the program celebrity Rob Schneider of Netflix Real Bob. Rob, thanks for calling. Tell me your, what you think your favorite character you've played your whole career. Can you tell me that character? What do you think that character is?
4: I don't you know. know. 51st Dates was pretty funny. Playing that Hawaiian guy it was pretty darn good. I really like Deuce Bigelow um uh, the movie Big Stan where I you know play a guy who goes to prison that uh Kevin Hart and uh remade called um without giving me credit um Get Hard but uh, I think Big Stan's better uh, but anyway uh, that those are, I like those but I like the TV show I'm doing right now Real Rob um it's uh, I think it's where the future of um of comedy is it's like you know right it's how real is it, and you know, how close to it is it, and for the audience to kind of try to have to figure that out. And it's fun, you know, and it's uh, uh, it's on the streaming services is the future of uh, entertainment, and we're on the premier streaming service in the world, the premier entertainment platform in the world. Netflix. Exactly. So we got 190 countries all watching, you know, able to watch the show at the same time. It's incredible.
3: Well, Rob, I completely agree with you. that's the future. Netflix streaming services, and you're on the best and Now people can see your talent all the time on Netflix, where you know and new people will be introduced to how unbelievable of a comedian you are and So tell well, us about well, thank Rob, you I mean, for sure yeah,
4: well, well, to me, it's like you know all I ever wanted to do is get a chance to do something funny and the net you know by if you're working with an you know the networks, it's just so hard to just, if it's in any way, shape, or form, if it resembles at all what you intended it to be like or look like, it's a miracle. And mm-hmm. we just you know, simply don't have those same problems um, with uh, censorship and stuff on, uh, on the streaming service. I mean, Netflix just uh, is the most creative, best place to be in the world, I think, and uh, I feel very lucky to be there.
3: All right, so tell us about
4: real Rob and what
3: uh about the show and what to expect for people that have not watched it
4: yet. Well, you know it's just it's stuff that's happened to us over me mostly, and um you know there's, there's a lot going on in this uh second season I mean um basically my wife starts getting more work than me and starts becoming the breadwinner and the in the house and that the conflict that that happens. That that has, and uh, you know certain stuff ways. I try to think of about how I can make money. And one of them is to uh, to use the most expensive coffee in the world. is this thing called uh, Kopi Luwak, and it's like coffee that my friend of mine came back from Indonesia. He said this this coffee is eight hundred dollars a pound, and I go, well, how the hell is that possible?" And he said, "Well, it comes out of a cat's rear end, you know, literally, and it comes out of a cat's anus." And I said, well, how could that be good? And he says, well, it is, you know, so... Anyway, so I go out and get a cat, and I feed it nothing but coffee beans. And it has, like, you know... At the end of the episode, I think it has a stroke or something. But uh, it's, um, you know... It's uh, it's really funny, and I think it's... Uh, people's favorite. seems to be their favorite episode. So... and, 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 and um, yeah. it, It's been fun, you know, I mean... And then episode six... I do a really low-budget movie where there's, like, no makeup and no trailer, and there's no, you know, and I just, uh, um, it's, uh, you know, it, it just shows how crappy independent movies, I mean, the experience of making an independent movie is, and um, and how spoiled I am as a, you know, Hollywood actor. It's stuff like that that I hope people laugh at, I we laugh at, you know, I hope I'm not working in a bubble where people can't relate to it, but... Um, been, uh, I think people have a good time watching it. It's meant for people, for husbands and wives. Real Rob on Netflix was meant for husbands and wives. Put the kids to bed, turn this thing on. You guys laugh, and it's a show just for you guys.
3: And that's great. And so, and that's the, the creativity of what you wanted to create, Rob. So tell us, you know. In that process, you love the fact that you can be the creative mind in this. Like you said, when you work for other people, they're coming up with the characters, they're writing the different things. Now you're putting your baby into this, and I think that's what you really enjoy about this.
4: Well, yeah, I mean, I I just like having you know stuff that makes me laugh. And like when I work with Adam Sandler, it's the stuff that makes us laugh is what we put out there, and especially you know on Adam's movies. It's what excites him and makes him laugh the most, and so you know, this is the, this is by far the most uh, liberating experience I've had in show business. And then you know, uh, I think years from now, then you know, I'll be able to, we'll be able, to, my wife and I, who also is on the show with me, be able to, to show our kids and go, hey, look what mommy and daddy made, and we're really proud of it. Is do you love working on the set with your wife? Is that really a fun thing for you? Yeah, she's really talented and funny, and I knew she'd be great at it, and I had to talk her into doing it, because she'd never acted before, but I said, "Ah, it's easy. Just, you'll do it. You'll be great. And uh, so I'm just, I'm happy for her, and I just really, it's great to hear people, you know, when they discover that it's really my wife, they go, no way, you know, so that's been, that's been a fun little side effect of uh, doing the show, is people realizing that really is my wife, and that. A lot of these things really did happen to us, and um, it's fun to um, uh, for the audience. I mean, that's that's. I think the future of uh, of of entertainment is going to be like you know stuff. It's like, did this really happen? Is this really true, or how true is it, or how much of it is? And That's the fun for the audience to kind of guess, and we try to keep things as real as possible, you know.
3: Absolutely, we're talking to Rob Schneider of Netflix, Real Rob, and a uh, Rob. Your relationship with Adam, learning from Adam. What do you think you've been able to gain from Adam Sam that has helped you today, especially with the show?
4: Well, you know, just to work hard, and just he just never stops. He just keeps going. He's always a, uh, you know, he's the energizer bunny. He just won't won't stop, and uh, and he's kind enough to to uh, drag his friends along to be part of his gigantic success and uh, you know he's just an incredible uh, inspiration for uh, for all of us
3: Absolutely Rob where is the best place we can find information on you learn more about Netflix Real Rob and is there a place where we can go and check you out social media wise and stuff like that and connect with you
4: yeah there's robschneider.com there's uh um the, my Twitter account and Rob Schneider, and then um, a real Rob, and just you know go watch the show on Netflix.
3: Oh, we're definitely going to watch the show on Netflix for sure, Rob, and uh, check it out for sure, and connect with you. And best of luck with this show and the rest of your career. Appreciate you coming on the show, and love to have you back. Talk about it another time. So thanks for taking the time.
4: All right, thanks,
3: Neil. Good luck with everything. All right, take care. Bye, bye. You're listening to Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just. A
0: We're back to the Neil Haley show in the total celebrity segment. And I'm excited about my guest right now. Uh, I'm just a huge fan of his and different ventures he's had. I'm excited to welcome the program, Ben Stein. He's going to talk about the capitalist code. It can save your life and make you very rich. Ben, thanks for calling. How are you?
5: It's my pleasure to be here. How
0: are you? I'm doing fantastic, Ben. So kind of looking at the direction When did you become a capitalist? Were you a capitalist your whole life, Ben, or did you transition?
5: Well, Well, bear in mind, my father was quite a famous economist. He was an extremely conservative economist. He was a free market economist. And he knew that the key to success and happiness in life was capital, not not the only key. I mean, spiritual and emotional keys are, are very important as well. But that capital, owning capital, was the difference between happiness and sadness in many situations. And I should say, this traces back to the, fact, to the Great Depression. So much of American life goes back to the Great Depression. My, my grandfather had been unemployed for a large part of the Great Depression, and it, it caused considerable privation in my fa- father's family, so he wanted to always make sure we had capital, so that if there was another, if there were another Great Depression, we would have capital. And so I learned from an early age that owning capital uh, separates the sheep from the goats.
0: Interesting. And so, if you're not a capitalist, you don't really believe in storing up the barns with tons of stuff, then, and, and have. And,
5: well, if you're not a capitalist. I would say if you're not a capitalist, you're a fool. But uh, (laughs) uh, if you're not a capitalist, uh, then you're a laborer. And uh, unless you—I mean, you either have capital you've acquired yourself or you have capital that you have inherited. And in in either case, you are the master in the world. And it doesn't matter whether it's Russia or communist China or any other country. uh, The people have the capital— by and large, make the rules. It's funny, when I was a child, there used to be some boy in my class, long, 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 long yeah. ago, would say the golden rule, he who has the gold makes the, makes the rules. And that's not really true. But what is true is that he who has the gold has a much more comfortable life, has much more security than people who don't make the gold. And usually the route to making the gold is to start your own business, start your own fishing goods store, or start your own dry goods store, or or start your own construction company, or your own house surveyor company. But most of us are not really qualified to do that. Most of us are just born to be workers, worker bees. uh, But we can become capitalists and become the equivalent of owning a business if we just buy stock. I mean, the stock system is a miraculous, incredible system, a miracle uh, of God's invention for us ordinary citizens to allow us to uh, own uh, a business. I mean, if you and I buy uh, a couple of thousand dollars each month or a month of uh, uh, every couple of months of uh, stock in the Standard & Poor's Industrial Index 500 Index Fund, uh, we are, at the end of a few years, uh, essentially owning a business. And that business is a microscopic share of all the businesses in the U.S., and it's the same as owning a business. And uh, it's it's better than doing that because you don't have to go to work every day, you don't have surly employees, you don't have to worry about filling out paperwork. Uh, It's an incredible world if you own a a fairly large amount of stock. And if you start out young, you can own quite a lot of stock uh, by the time you're middle-aged and and late middle-aged.
0: So you you followed this route then Ben k- yourself. I'm sorry. You followed this route doing this. Were you?
5: Well, I mean, I've done, I I I have other forms of capital. I, I have a, quite a fair a fair amount of real estate too. But uh, to tell you the truth, I made a mistake. I bought too much real estate. I should have bought more stock. But I I have enough stock that should allow unless something. A very unexpected happens to uh, take care of me and my wife and my granddaughter for the rest of their lives. I hope. I mean, I'm not sure, but I think I do.
0: Interesting. Okay. So we kind of going in. So the average everyday person this book's for in a way to say, or anyone that, okay, if you're not investing in the stock market, if you're not saving your money, by d- investing and building capital. You're in deep trouble, aren't you, Ben, in a lot of ways? In
5: yeah, deep, deep, deep trouble. There's social security is obviously on its way to oblivion. Uh, the Anyway, social security doesn't pay very much. I mean, i give you an example. I've been a high-earning person all my life. I'm now 73. I think my social security payment is something like $3,000 a month. <laughs> my wife's been a high-earning person most of her life. I think her Social Security payment is something like 1800 a month, so it's a joke. Uh, but uh, we have savings, and uh, the savings are not going to be taken away, I hope, if Social Security is, re- is reduced. Although, of course, if the Democrats come into office, they will try to take away our savings whatever way they can. But— uh, we are trying very, very hard to become a family that is self-sufficient through our own contributions, self-supporting through our own contributions, and our contributions have to be, first of all, to ourselves. Charity begins at home, and although we give an insane amount to charity, we, uh, we'd we like to uh, think that if we have our own business the business will take care of us only our business is a microscopic share of all american business our business is a microscopic share of the entire american business landscape
0: wow so so interesting to hear all this ben and for myself it's very interesting when i sit down with people when i'm investing myself and they say you should be well, saving you know, more money you know, let,
5: yeah. me, let me let me interrupt you here my dear friend and tell you you don't need to sit down and figure out how to invest you're not going to beat the index you really must just stay with the index which is to say the s and d 500 index and the, the transaction fees are almost nil. And he, Warren Buffett was very, very kind, so very kind as to read my book and to say, "You're not. If you follow Ben's advice, you're going to beat even the most highly paid investment managers and investment advisors." And and he's totally right. And that's not something I discovered. It was discovered by uh, other great, much, 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 much smarter people than I am long ago.
0: Okay, so people need to pick up the book to follow that advice. You can give us a little piece of that advice for sure. If you're not investing right now, we're dead. You're dead, and I am investing. Well,
5: I wouldn't in- say you're dead, dead but, but do it. Don't. Yeah. You, I wouldn't say you're dead. I wouldn't say you're dead, but say do it soon. I mean, if you're not investing right now, you're making a mistake, and you should start doing it soon.
0: Interesting, interesting, and laying out those that process and sitting down. You're saying that there's, it's not brain surgery. It's not.
5: You, no, it's you, not brain surgery at all. It's not even remotely brain surgery.
0: Interesting, interesting, Ben. So, a recommendation for our listeners right now, if they're investing, what do they need to look at to see if they're doing the right thing? Especially what's in the be. Uh,
5: take some uh make sure you save as much as you can and take whatever you save and put the majority of it, not all of it, but the majority of it into the S and p index fund. Now bear in mind, I would predict if I, I'm not a I'm not a fortune teller, but I would predict the next move for the stock market is down. It's right. been up so much it can't keep going up at this rate. But let's assume that it's let's assume that it'll go down for a while and then it'll come back up again higher than ever. At some point, the stock, the compounding of of the growth of the stock, the fact that you probably will not pay much capital gains on the stock if you don't sell it, which you should definitely not do, uh, then you're going to soon be uh, in a very nice position.
0: Interesting. So, staying the course, Ben, as everyone,
5: stay the course, buy the index. Don't try to pick stocks. Don't try to. Don't watch TV shows where you have some guy saying it with a wig saying, uh, I can pick what the next uh, next Facebook is going to be. Just buy the index.
0: Interesting, interesting. And what has the feedback been so far about your book, Ben? Uh, That's great. What well, Warren only
5: read... feed, one feedback I really care about, and that was from Warren Buffett, who I'm proud to call a friend. And Warren basically said, if you buy this book and follow the advice, you don't need, don't need to buy any other books without investing.
0: That's a perfect en- so, endorsement right there. That's that's the best. I,
5: yeah. I, I will take an endorsement from Warren Buffett over an endorsement from anyone else in the world. I would take an endorsement from Warren Buffett uh, uh, above any, investor, any other investor anywhere.
0: Okay, great. Well, again, we're talking to Ben Stein, author of The Capitalist Code. It can save your life and make you very rich on The Neil Haley Show and... Ben, I think that that's that's the best thing. People need to go and pick up the book. Now, in this process of an investor, is there, I mean, ideas about being a capitalist and the economy, is that your passion, Ben, would you say, right now? No, I would
5: say my passion is my my wife. My wife is my goddess and my saint and the woman I worship and the human being that I worship. But my passion is my son and his, his and my granddaughter. But uh I don't uh but I will say my passion is really uh trying to make myself give myself some measure of spiritual security and some measure of financial security. And if I find that if I'm having a day where I'm having tremendous financial insecurity, which can happen because I I keep very little cash in my checking account and my savings okay. account and transfer it all from my Merrill Lynch account and my Fidelity account. And then a day when I have to transfer a lot, because, for example, my son has run up a huge tuition bill or something like that, uh, then I, uh, have to, uh, I have to I have to worry a little bit, even though I shouldn't. I do. So, but uh, I, financial security is a big, giant path towards emotional and spiritual security, and that's what I'm really looking for.
0: That's fabulous, and that's a, and so that's what you're looking for, and that's what you recommend lots of people to look for, to specifically look at, specifically that you can't, you got well, to look out for tomorrow, because you you got to invest.
5: Well, you know, so now you know, you're re- you're you're really really making an incredibly important issue, bringing up an incredibly important issue. We do have to look out for tomorrow, but we also have to live for today. I mean, there's no sure way to uh, being unhappy than to look far into the future. And I'm afraid if you look far into the future, you are going to find that it's pretty dismal because we're all going to die. We're all going to all get old, we're going to get sick, and we're going to die. And some of us will get get right. sick and die before we're old. So don't look too far into the future. You have to have some kind of balance between looking for at today, living for today, and also uh, looking after tomorrow. But, but I say, what I would say is put that looking uh, about tomorrow, looking for, forward to tomorrow, on autopilot, just buy a certain amount of the uh, of the index fund uh, every month or every week or however often you get paid.
0: Wow. Okay. It, it, it sounds like a great advice. Any other projects you currently are promoting, Ben, that you want to talk about that's going on with you?
5: Well, I'm going to write something about sobriety because uh, – and about uh, – abstinence from alcohol and drugs and uh that's become a huge part of my life i've seen so many of my friends die young from uh, alcohol and drugs and uh relatives as well i'm sorry to say and uh i'm and i'm determined i i've spent a lot of my time and a lot of my life in the world of sobriety and uh specifically aa and uh i want to pass on what i've learned from there i've been I've learned I think a hell of a lot about how to keep sober, and uh, and by the way, a lot of it has to do with the same principles as as being a good investor, which is just uh, stay at it and don't change.
0: Because when you have your life out of order, Ben, and this is this is all about order, all about discipline and order to yeah, make sure. That's very well put. Yeah, you
5: know, you're you're a smart guy. We should talk more often. I, it's about uh, it's it's about giving your life in order. There. There's a wonderful saying by some very smart philosopher, I forget who it is, which is that some some semblance of uh, order is a huge part of human happiness. And I think that's true, and uh, I don't. Uh, I, I'm not very good at it myself. The only thing I'm good at is work. I'm work a good worker. I work like a maniac, even in my advanced age, and I, uh, I uh, and I uh, try to keep uh, an honest, firm grip on helping my wife and my daughter and my, my granddaughter and my uh, son. And uh, that's that's what I
0: do. A large sense of order, and that's that when your life is out well, of order— I would say one, yeah, ahead, sorry.
5: one other thing, which I would say, is mm-hmm. I spend an awful lot of time on my knees thanking God for being in America. Mm-hmm. There is nothing like being in America. There's no gift that the Lord God has bestowed upon any human beings greater than being in America. So, uh, I mean, I would rather be in America right now in 2017, even with all the controversy, even with all the bitterness, even with all the hostility, than in any other time, any other place in the history of the world.
0: Fantastic. Best place we can find information on you, Ben, and learn more about you. Where can we go? And purchase a book,
5: yeah. uh, Just look me up on Wikipedia. I mean, I, my website is undergoing renovation, so I wouldn't look there for a while, but it'll be done in a couple of weeks. But, uh, I'd say for now, uh, just to look me up in Wikipedia.
0: And purchase your book in all finer bookstores. And I would love to have you back on again to talk anything you want to talk about. Because be you, you, you're, a, I'm a huge fan of yours, and it was awesome. And I, I, just think that you have the right sense when it comes to investing. It's now you have to sit down with my wife Ben and tell her how important it is to save for the future. And and invest. you can do
5: that. You're her husband. You can you <laughs> to our partnership bound in ours bound on earth, bound in heaven. You can uh, you can tell yourself.
0: All right. Sounds good, Ben. Thanks for coming on the show appreciate it
5: thank you so much
0: see you man. thanks bye-bye you're listening to the neil haley show and we'll be back in just a moment
3: we're back to the neil haley show in the total celebrity segment i'm excited to welcome the program vivica a fox she's going to talk about ions a christmas cruise vivica thanks for calling how are you
6: You're welcome. Good morning. Good morning. I appreciate the love and support. And like you said, I've got a wonderful Christmas film that's coming out this Saturday on the Ion Network, a Christmas cruise at 9 p.m. And it'll also repeat on Christmas Day.
3: So we have to get in that Christmas season, right? Finally, I'm looking out the window in Pittsburgh and it's snowing. I, I think we're ready for Christmas. It finally feels like winter in the east, so it's time to start really... Getting in that holiday mood and holiday cheer. Are you doing the same thing, Vivica? At this point in time, getting oh. closer and closer to Christmas.
6: Oh, absolutely! Um, I love Christmas time because it's that one time of the year that everybody does somewhat take a little bit of time off and get with family and celebrate the year that came past, that's past, and look forward to 2018. Um, I, I usually start off my Christmas day with going over to my godson's uh, grandparents and having breakfast and exchanging gifts and having marmosa, mimosa, and then I go to the spa, and then I go to my business partners and have lunch and watch the basketball games, and then I top off the day with a fish fry and playing some uno at my best friend's house. So my Christmas Day, I'm looking forward to all that. And in the meantime, I've also uh, become a Christmas cheer angel here in L.A. and giving out um, some uh, Christmas package to two needy families.
3: Oh, that's so nice. It's, uh, it's yeah, you know, you got to give pay, back. Pay I've been forward. very blessed yes, this year. Yes, yes, yeah, for sure. All right, so let's talk about a Christmas cruise, kind of a – Interesting title, you know, when you think about cruise and Christmas. But tell us about uh, your character and and the movie.
6: Well, I play Pamela Stevenson. Pamela uh, Stevenson is a workaholic writer, who her best friend, played by Jessica Morris, who plays Becky. Uh, convinces me to go on a Christmas cruise uh, to uh, let my hair down a little bit, and I unexpectedly find love on the high seas. But this film is so much fun, so I ask everyone to put on your ugly sweater or your onesie, because my cast is unbelievable. It's starring Vivica Fox, Christoph St. John, who everyone knows from Neil on Young and the Restless, um, Corin Nimick. Uh, Nick Valleau from Bachelor in Paradise. I've got a beautiful cast that just delivers a wonderful Christmas film with a good message.
3: Absolutely, and that's important so the whole family can watch this, correct? This this, this movie, correct? Absolutely, so the, definitely, yeah, yeah,
6: yeah. and have the time and take away some uh, lovely messages, you know? Because sometimes we we work so hard that we forget to take the time out for family and to spread love and a smile.
3: And your character probably by going on this cruise is finally probably a workaholic, dealing with lots of different things. And this is a way for her to kinda kinda feel at peace compared to what her crazy life is, right? The character you play, correct?
6: Oh absolutely. Pam, Pam only yeah. she's she's just like everyone, you know, chasing uh chasing that dollar, ch- chasing those uh accolades and promotions and she just, you know, gets so caught up in work that sometimes we all kind of sometimes work so much and forget to time forget to take the time out to smell the roses i know i'm right. guilty.
3: right it. <laughs> we're, we're all guilty of it and then we sit here and then finally christmas comes and then new year's and we're like wow this is a nice relaxing time why do we and then we have these new year's resolutions Vic, vivica and then we go back to the same old same old it's just a it's yeah. a it's an interesting grind that we go through for sure
6: Well, I do my best to try to every year get my spirit happier and to do the things that make me happy when it comes to work. That's not always, you know, I don't always succeed at it, but I've learned the older that I've got to do the things that I love and to get rid of a lot of negative influences and people.
3: Absolutely. And then for your career um, so far, what would you say has been one of your greatest experiences in your career? would you say, as an, as an actress?
6: Wow, one of my greatest experiences in my career? God, I've had a lot of wonderful things that I've done. I mean, working on Independence Day with Will Smith and yeah, a, yeah. Almost, almost 20 years ago grossing close to a billion dollars, doing Empire now with Taraji and Terrence Howard is, is awesome, starring in my first film, Two Can Play That Game, with the very sexy Morris Chestnut and Gabrielle Union. I mean, I've been blessed to work with some <laughs> amazing people.
3: Yeah, and you talk about Empire and the growth of Empire. You've got to be so psyched for that, those opportunities going on Empire. I mean, to look at where that's come from the beginning to now. And how I know, and I'm actually
6: is. headed back to yeah. the first of the year to go do some more episodes. So loving life, really. It's a good time <laughs> for me.
3: Do you, like, do you, do you um, like to get your hands in different projects? It seems like that's one thing that you do as an actress, is that you're taking different uh, roles, different opportunities. That's something that you like to do your entire career, hasn't it been from just starting in, with soaps to, to now. I think that you like yeah, that. Yeah, I found that mix.
6: versatility is equaled the key to my longevity, and I always tell young actors coming up, be a triple threat, be able to sing, act, dance, because nowadays you never know what the role may call for.
3: And also being behind the screens.
6: Are you involved in that as well, Vivica,
3: in some projects? And oh, stuff yes, where I you're am being, co-producer. Yeah.
6: I am oh, co-producer, awesome. and that's a thrill to me as well too. That you know, when I see that credit come up, co-produced by Vivica Fox, it makes me really proud. And I always just tell people that no, when you know it's a Foxy Brown production, which is the name of my company, or you see co-produced by Vivica Fox, that you know I'm going to do my best to bring you quality.
3: Well, it seems like you seem like you have that going for sure. Where's the best place people can find information on you? Again, December 16th to Saturday, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central on ION. You're going to check out a Christmas cruise. But more info on you, Vivica. Where can people go to check you out and find out what's all the different projects you're doing right now?
6: No doubt. Um, I'm on Instagram. I've got my official blue check. I'm at MSVFox on Twitter, at MSVivicaFox.
3: All right, Vivica, fantastic. Great chatting with you. Have a Merry Christmas, Happy New Year, and Happy Holidays to you.
6: Happy, blessed holidays, and here's to a fabulous 2018.
3: Yes, absolutely. Thanks, Savica, for calling. Appreciate
6: it. Take care, darling. Bye. Bye-bye.
3: Yeah, See you. Bye. You're listening to Neil Haley's show. We'll be back in just a moment. How are you doing, Alexa? Doing well. Alexa, how are you?
6: Good. How are
1: you?
3: Fantastic. So I'm excited to welcome to the program, Alexa Bliss. Alexa, thanks for calling. I wanted to tell you I have a pro wrestling background myself. I was a former pro wrestler, worked in the Indies. I was trained by Charlie Fulton, so we'll have a, a really fun conversation. Oh, nice. How did, you start, how did you start as a professional wrestler? Tell us that story.
1: Uh, well, after college, I was in bodybuilding, and after college, uh, my trainer told me that WWE was having a tryout. And so I went online and sent in a video didn't think anything would come of it. Uh, got a tryout, tried out, and had been wrestling now for the past four and a half years.
3: Wow. And what do you think the experience was the first time you went into the ring and was training? Like taking bumps, <laughs> running the ropes, those stories that we all have when we first got in the ring. That, tell, tell our listeners oh, how was crazy and, uh, <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> I thought I was going to die. like uh,
1: Muscles that I didn't know existed hurt, and I was just so sore, bruised up from head to toe, and it was not fun.
3: No, not at all, for sure. And then, and then after that process, your first match and performing, it's, there's no rush like it being on the, in the ring performing, isn't it? It's just, it's the most amazing oh, thing oh, yeah. I, I think for sure. It's
1: so fun, it's amazing, and I, I wouldn't trade it for anything.
3: Most definitely. So, what do you think of the whole reality show? Being part of Total Divas and the reality part of this, is it? More challenging seeing your real life being on than the, than the WWE where you're you know it's acting and, 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 and uh, performance. Is that challenging for you to, oh. for people to see like that? Um,
1: you know, it's, it's it was actually a lot of fun. You know, I was really nervous about you know, because I had spent so much time in uh, investing on this, you know, this mean girl Alexa character and to kinda change the role and have people see me for who i am was definitely a little different but i think it was a lot of fun you know i was very nervous about it at first but i I loved every minute of it
3: and in that process do you have experience before you said you were a bodybuilder did you do any acting before being a professional wrestler uh
1: no i just did like one play in high school (laughs) and i was like a really really small part (laughs) i played an old lady
3: It was interesting. I've been watching some of the Total Divas on uh, Facebook, some of the the, the short skits and stuff. It's really interesting to look at specifically enough how much your day at traveling, but not just the whole traveling process, Alexa, but also the process of just developing your character so people can see behind the scenes what it takes to be a WWE star, from traveling to going to the to the arena, to preparing for promos, all that. I think it's a really good thing for people to see. It's not the easiest job in the world, for sure.
1: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, I don't think people really realize how much work goes into what we do and how much time and effort. You know, it's not just the shows. There's Our shows that we do is the smallest part of what we do, like the less amount of time. You know, we have to travel from city to city. We don't get to go home. We have to get to the gym we have to eat healthy because even with that traveling schedule we have to be in shape and we have to be able to have a match and not only have a match but have a good match and you know we have to go on no sleep and everything and it's just it's a lot of fun but I don't think people really realize how much good they do it.
3: All right well fantastic uh, the best place we can find information on you Alexa we got turned into Total Divas Wednesdays at 9 p.m. Eastern where's the best place we can find info on you? Sorry? Where can we follow you? And where can we where can we check you out oh. on Twitter and Instagram, all um, On where can Twitter, you
1: Alexa Bliss underscore WWE, and on Instagram, Alexa Bliss <laughs> WWE with a bunch of underscores in between.
3: <laughs> all right. Well, thanks for taking the time. Have a good day and take care. Thanks for calling.
1: Thank you so much.
3: Appreciate it. Bye bye. You're listening to the Neil Haley Show. We'll be back in just a moment.
0: We're back to the Neil Haley show on the total celebrity segment. I'm excited to welcome to the program celebrity Ann Hayes and thanks for calling. And I tell you what, I cannot wait to see you in a film that, you know, it's not it's publicized. It's doing a great job of promoting itself yet is something so intriguing. And that's my friend Dahmer. Then we have a, a great cause to talk about as well. But Anne, how are you?
7: I'm, I'm terrific. I know they are calling it the little movie that could, which many little movies do call themselves that. But because, um, it's, it's really all because Ross Lynch is so extraordinary. I mean, he's a man who's transformed himself, left Disney, he's such a superstar on Disney, has a band R5, and now he's transformed himself to play the most di- disturbed serial killer. It, it's, it, it really is a, such a compelling story. It's written by a friend of his, it was written as a graphic novel where boys who witnessed what went on with him his last year of high school. And so it's about his senior year in high school leading up to his first murder. You don't see any murders. It's really a psychological exploration that Ross does so brilliantly and I overheard it when we did an interview together saying, yes, it's a psychological probe into somebody who literally dies themselves from the inside out. And it and I of course play. I say hashtag crazy I have as much as Joyce who I mean, you said that you you had interviewed Art Myers, the director, when he and I first met. I said, you don't killer just by yourself. It doesn't mean that we're placing blame on everybody, but I can guarantee you that boy was ignored, and whoever oh, yeah. that mother is deserves to be seen too, and and what the responsibility is that she takes, and that's also something that we got to take on in this film. What it looks like the facade of a woman who thinks everything, she, she puts out everything perfect. Of course, I work close to this because this is my mother. Puts out everything that's perfect, and and behind closed doors is a really, Ignore her children and deny any responsibility for having, them. and that to me is the biggest sin <laughs> a mother can have. So, playing it is first of all so painful. Ross not can of my, Oh, please, please, please let me play, mother, who can actually love you because it was so disturbing to have to be so awful to this incredible kid. Um, but it really is a movie worth seeing. And I'm glad that everybody is able to see what gifted gift, gift, gift actor he is, by the way. This Sunday, I'm going to be auctioning him off to play tennis to the highest bidder. And my new candidate is Palisades for Puerto Rico and the Port Beach. And we're going to auction out the stars. We're going to serve champagne. We're going to have Wild Bell DJing while we serve... People are going to be Ross Lynch, Noah Mill, Sophia Hernandez, Jason Ellis, James Wow, Tupper, Demetrius, uh, and we're going for the highest bidder. Who will be, be served all along with the community? I'm going community to community. It's been an extraordinary thing to see how much people want to help Puerto Rico. It's been an opportunity becomes a part of these money that we can have them rebuild.
0: And, and that's great. And and so, what made you really want to get involved in this cause with Puerto Rico? Tell us a little about the story, why the reasoning.
7: It was the simplest, and of course, I, I, I mean, I support Imagine LA. I support I'm on the board of directors of, of um, four different foundations. Um, but when I saw, I literally, it was this simple. I was doing a media tour. I happened to be in town alone in New York, getting ready to go into the Today to Show the next morning. So you have to get up at like 4 o'clock in the morning. And I was luxuriating in the thought that I could watch CNN by myself. My kids were not my husband when you and I lie down on the bed, like, great, I'm going to watch CNN. And Hurricane Maria hit. I'm watching. I'm dev- I'm watching the devastation. And the reporter says that our president will not be going for five days. And I leapt out of bed. And I was like, really? You can't go help Americans for five days. You got something better to do? <laughs> like, I, it made me feel mad. And I... Called I, I do a I do a radio show with Jason Ellis, who I'm also watching on a bunch today by the way. So I called Sears, I called Don. and I said, what do I do? How do I do this? Will you let me uh, help stop for the fundraising? He said, just call CrowdRide. Go to CrowdRide. You can do it today. By Friday morning at 9 a.m., I had had a CrowdRide campaign already set up, which everybody can go and see. In four days I had raised five thousand dollars and then I was like, Let's go into this community of Albuquerque, it will be the Brave where we shoot the Brave for Puerto Rico. Three weeks to the day later we raised forty five forty eight thousand dollars. Because every single person I asked to be a part of the party not only said yes, they brought all their friends to help. We had the most extraordinary event and at the end of it I said, Well, this is just the beginning. Let's go, community, community. If Albuquerque, New Mexico, in three weeks, can raise $48,000 for Puerto Rico, I can't wait to see what's next. My yes. friend Josh called me, On next. for Puerto Rico, let's do a fundraiser here. In six weeks, in six weeks from the day that I ended that one, we're doing this one six and 12 months ago, communities, community, to help people remember that we have to rebuild Puerto Rico. This is not something that's a one-time fundraiser, ODA, and raise forty-eight grand. This is me understanding that we can go community community and really help rebuild and really do something because everybody wants to. They just need a reminder sometimes because it's so hard to remember, to remember. And I just want people to remember Puerto Rico and, and I know people want to do that because they're, they're our family.
0: That's, and that's fantastic. And again, the event on December 10th, people can donate now by going to crowdrise.com. Slash Ann just type that in. CrowdRise slash Ann and they could donate now. We want to help Puerto Rico again. Ann, fantastic chatting with you. I cannot wait to see m- m- my friend Dahmer, and then I'll hopefully have you back to chat about it again. And uh, love uh, what what uh, you are doing in Puerto Rico as well. We're back to the Neil Haley Show. On the Total Celebrity segment, I'm excited to welcome the program. Astronaut Scott Kelly, author of Endurance, A Year in Space, A Lifetime of Discovery. Scott, thanks for calling, and how are you?
8: I'm doing good. How are you guys?
0: Fantastic, Scott. And tell us specifically why you wrote the book i mean especially i know you're a very busy person so to be able to write a book as thick as this it must have taken some time to to talk about that year you know and put it down on paper
8: well yeah so i was uh well one of the reasons i was really busy the last you know year and a half almost two years was because i was writing a book which is not an easy thing to do actually a lot harder than i thought it would be but um uh, Yeah, I felt like, you know, my story being on the space station for a year and then even more specifically my story growing up about being this kid that could never do his homework, never pay attention, poor student, goes to college, not doing well, discovers Tom Wolfe's book, The Right Stuff, and it inspired me to be able to do more. And I felt like if I could just fix the issue I had with paying attention and being able to study— you know, maybe I could be a test pilot or an astronaut like the guys in in Tom's book. And then, you know, fast forward 18 years later, and I flew in space for the first time almost to the day that I read that book 18 years prior.
0: Wow. And so you had to kind of get your act together. And how did you make those changes? Because listeners are out there and viewers are out there saying to themselves, you know, I don't get this, you know. I'm I school's hard for me. I don't know if I can do this, or I I I just don't think I can tackle this. So I just don't want to try. Yeah. I don't want to try, Scott. How can you inspire people to say I did this? I just made that change, and you made that turn. Tell tell us about that turning point and how yeah. others can turn too.
8: Well, a couple of thoughts on that. One one is for me, it was possible for me to pay attention and do my homework. Like, I think if I was in school today, I'd be the kid with ADHD, Um, and it took me the inspiration of a book that showed me that there was, you know, other opportunities out there, and people that did them that were relatable to me. Um, You know, I felt like I had a lot in common with the early astronauts, except for the fact that I couldn't do my homework, and it wasn't easy to fix that problem, but... You know, it was a process, and I did it on my own. And once I, you know, just through brute force method, figured out how to, how to study and pay attention, I was able to, you know, step by step, slowly, methodically, lots of opportunities to fail, just kind of keep pressing ahead. And eventually, you know, you're, you can be successful. I think the other thing, though, is for people to be willing to take risks. I hear oftentimes people say, well, I'm not going to do that because I don't want to fail. You know, a lot of really successful people out there, the reason they are successful is they're willing to fail. I mean, otherwise, how will you ever know you can possibly achieve if you're not willing to take that risk?
0: No, Definitely. Absolutely. It's it's something that's uh, very, very interesting when you talk about that is to take that risk. And taking risks is something that everyone has to try in their lives and in your book you're highlighting that you said you took risks and you and you you succeeded but lots of people probably around you said there's no way Scott you're going to be an astronaut right there's no way you're going to be in space or any of the dreams that you wanted
8: yeah i think in my my in my yearbook under my under my picture it says the guy least likely to become an astronaut
0: <laughs> oh my gosh <laughs> That's, I just made that up. No, no that is funny, but what it's true. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, um, that, so that's that's the uh, that's the interesting process of this, Scott. And what, what do you think people are going to be inspired? Also, from the book, are going to be really interested to know about yourself, Scott, in this book. Well, I think
8: that's one of the very interesting things, you know, and and it. So, that's where you know the story kind of starts, right? But Along the way, there are lots of opportunities. Like, as an example, you know, I wasn't the best pilot at first. You know, I didn't never flew, flew an airplane. You know, eventually, I got really good. And you know, I think it shows you that how good you can, um, you know, get at something you feel very passionate about. Doesn't really matter how good you are when you start. How how good you are in the beginning is no, no indication of how good you can become. Uh, so there's 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 stories like that. You know, after my second space flight, I had prostate cancer. I had my prostate removed, which is not a very easy, you know, surgery and recovery. And then after that, I went ahead and flew in space. I had flown in space 20 days before having prostate cancer. I flew in space for 500 days after. So I think it also, you know, are lessons like that, that you can have something bad happen to you. You can still make a comeback if you work hard at it.
0: Oh, absolutely! You can still make a comeback, regardless of what happens in your life. You're going to hit rock bottom at times, oh. but then there's only way one way up, yeah. uh, and and that's that. And, and so there there yeah. you go. So a lot of times people give up then they let everything fall. They let all the bricks fall. So, for example, you know, you, your foundation, you, you, you don't have that foundation. Everything falls, and you just give up. And that's the sad thing in life when you see a lot of people, Scott, with uh, that end up getting depressed, anxious, or different things because they just want things that be end up perfect in their lives, everything to go well. And that's just not life, Scott. And that's interesting you talk about that in your book. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. and Scott, in this, in this journey, what did you learn most about writing it on paper? this book? What would you say?, um,
8: well, I wrote it on an iPad, but
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, me, um, yeah. Thank
8: God for the iPad, right? Yeah, I uh, wrote it mostly on an airplane. You know, I learned that writing a book is a really hard thing to do, a lot harder than I thought it would be. actually it took a lot more time you know the hard part is not necess- even not necessarily the the writing of it it's the reading it over and over again yeah. well, every time you think you're finished um but i'm happy with it i think it's a good book and i i hope people will enjoy it but more importantly i hope some people maybe you know a kid like me or young adults or others will be inspired by my story and believe that uh, they can do and and in- achieve more than they um thought was possible.
0: Well, fantastic, Scott. Thanks again for calling. The best place we can pick up your book, it's all in finer bookstores. Endurance, A Year in Space, A Lifetime of Discovery by Scott Kelly. And Scott, is there a place we can connect with you and uh, find information on you as well? Where can we go? Uh,
5: Go to
8: scottkelly.com. Pretty
0: easy. All right. Well, Scott, it was a very interesting story. It's very interesting to see people that... Look like they're not going to be a success yet. they turn the the corner and look out and uh, continued success in your career, Scott, and good luck on the book and thanks for calling. Thank you all right, thanks Scott I'll take care. Okay, see you later. All right, bye. You'll listen to Neil Haley's show and we'll be back in just a moment.